And we yeah. are back for another episode of the Fusion Underground. Wow. These weeks just kind of go by fast, you know? They're going quick right now. That's for dang sure. Yeah, they really do. They really go by pretty quick. So much happening. I know. I know. I know. So it's uh so we got a we got we got some interesting stuff to talk about tonight. Okay. Um I like interesting stuff. You like interesting stuff? <laughs> of course. <laughs> Before we get into that, let me at least introduce the show because we're at. Oh uh, yeah, I'm sorry. What, what are we at? Like episode eight now? I think it's episode eight. Didn't you say you were going to start keeping a log of that and having it ready so you didn't have to guess when we started up the show? Yeah, but we're high tech here. Yeah, you don't have a snurdly. <laughs> <laughs> Why start now? I mean, you know, <laughs> we right. we have the perfect setup, the perfect formula. Don't ruin it. Right. <laughs> Run by nothing but incompetence. Oh. Yeah. That's us, right? That's so, it. Yeah. It's season two, episode eight of the Fusion Underground. For those of you just tuning in, here at the Fusion Underground, we try to make sense of the world by having principled discussions about such topics as entertainment, current events, politics, and culture. Our mission is to educate people to become critical thinkers so they can live more empowered and happier lives. As always, I'm your host, Manuel Ramirez, and I'm joined in the virtual studio by the wonderful, the lovely, the fluffy and soft, Jason oh, Brett. How God. are you doing, sir? I'm fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're ready to go. Yeah, you're rearing and ready to go, I can tell. Rare form. <laughs> Um, you can find all of our stuff at fusionunderground.net. We do have a Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash azfusionunderground. We do have a YouTube channel. We're on Twitter at the, the FU Brothers. You can find us on there. We don't tweet as often, but uh, we do tweet a few times a week. Um, and on our website, you can find all of our podcast feeds. Uh, you can find the audio version of the show on Anchor, Breaker, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Stitcher, and Apple. Oof, that's a lot. Ooh. And you can send us hate mail at uh, hate mail via email contact at fusionunderground.net. Yeah, we're going to be talking about mental fortitude today. Mental fortitude. Mental fortitude. Yes. Okay. Not testicular fortitude. No, that's, that's my line. <laughs> <laughs> Not testicular fortitude, mental fortitude, because we are in the midst of a federal election. You know, we're going to be mm -hmm. going to the polls and we're going to be electing the entire House of Representatives, a third of the Senate and the president of the United States. So not much, really. Yeah, not much. Yeah. Not a lot. It's no big deal. And 
people are losing their collective minds. They're yes. losing their freaking minds. And this past week, one of the things that I was thinking was there were so many examples of people just having just meltdowns. And I mm -hmm. thought, what's going to happen if these people lose? And it doesn't matter which side. I'm not well, trying gonna to pick say, which side. Right? No, no, no. There is there is absolutely no difference because there's going to be a meltdown of uh, – as you would say, mental fortitude. Yeah, <laughs> There's nobody yeah. going to be able to stand no matter what happens. I mean, if, so here's the thing. If, if, you know, I've been in that situation, I did not vote for Obama. I did not like Obama. I didn't care for any of his policies. And I watched him win twice. And, you know, when he won, I was a little bummed out, but I didn't cry. And the next morning I went on with my day. And it was fine. Um, and I criticized his positions and I criticized the things that he was trying to do. But overall, I just went on with my life. I got up, I went to work, I came home, I did things, etc. And that was fine. The left has been losing their mind since 2016. There were so many people that had pinned their personal identities on Hillary Clinton. And when she lost, it rocked these people. It literally rocked these people. And I have to admit, going into election night, I completely thought Hillary Clinton was going to win. Most people did. As, I mean, as did I. I, I was, there was fingers crossed going, sure. you never know. Make it a run. You know, I was yeah. like, I, I didn't want it to be a blowout, but I honestly I thought there's no way that, that he can beat Hillary Clinton. There's just no way. Matter of fact, I, I remember tuning into that, catching the very early parts of it mm -hmm. and going, okay, well, we'll see. I think we'll he's going to get closer than people think, but right. we'll see how the night unfolds. I didn't sit there the whole time. I think I flipped over and was playing a video game or something in the meantime. And then I clicked back over like two hours later and went, <gasps> I mean, it was, oh my God, was, what is happening right now? I know it was crazy. <laughs> and I really thought he was, I really thought Trump was going to lose. I really did. I did not. Had I taken a thousand dollars in Vegas, I, even $5 in Vegas, just a bet, I would have bet against Trump winning in 2016. And so many, I mean, I mean the day of, I think, uh, I, I, I can't remember which source it was, but the day of the morning of the election, there were, there were news sites that had uh, Hillary Clinton winning, predicted to win by something like 99% chance. Like it was 99% certitude that she was going to, she was going to win going into the day. And that completely just, that floor just dropped out. Now, I have no idea what's going to happen with, with, uh, with Joe Biden and President Trump. It, on one hand, I look at what's happening in places like Colorado. This Today, I saw a huge huge parade of um, people in, I, I think it was, um, I think it was in Denver. And there was a huge Trump rally. I mean, he wasn't even there, but mm -hmm. there were just people lining the streets with banners, flags, uh, trucks and cars driving down the, down the, down the highway, waving banners. And it was hundreds and hundreds of people. Um, I'm seeing this in California. I'm seeing this in, in Florida. I mean, uh, we're, we're seeing the, the GOP is outpacing just in terms of voter registration 
it's something like like 150% against the Democrats. I mean, they're just, they're just, it's overwhelming so many people signing up for the GOP. But I also recognize that it's not a popular vote. It's still all about the Electoral College. And Correct. If, if certain blue states hold, well, Biden stands a really good chance of winning, winning the election. He could, yeah. he could pull it out and he hasn't even done anything. Right. Right. No, there's, you know, I, I was looking at the polls and actually looking at things like what you're talking about with uh, voter registration, trying to take into account the uh, silent majority, quote unquote, as it's being called. Yeah. Yeah. And the only thing I can say with any certainty whatsoever is that anything is possible. Um, right. I, I, there's, there are indicators and enough evidence out there if you look for just about any case to be made. There, the case that Trump could win in an absolute landslide, um, which is about the only case which may result in actually con somebody conceding that the election could be called. Either way, I don't think we're going to have a decision election night. Um, no. If Trump wins by a narrow margin, you know, this is going to go on for weeks. Yeah. If um, there's evidence to say that Biden could actually win by a narrow margin, in which case it's going to go on for weeks. Yeah. Um, Biden wins in a landslide while the evidence is much slimmer for that. There's, I mean, you can still chase the rabbit down the hole and actually get to that point, looking, depending upon what polls you look at and what data you're, there's, there's a lot to be said for where this could go. And I yeah. think anything's is possible. So, you know, if, if I were in any camp, whether it's the Biden camp or the Trump camp, you have to, you have to play, make a football analogy. You have to play all four downs until you cross the goal line. I mean, yeah. you, you cannot let up. I, I and I don't know what's gonna. I don't think. I, I really, honestly, do not think that Trump is gonna win California. There, I know there is a tremendous amount of um, energy for him in California that is unprecedented, that hasn't been seen uh, for a, any kind of GOP candidate in decades. But that doesn't mean he's gonna win. No, um, I, I don't no. think he's gonna win California. I, no, I, I think. Yeah, I, I, I think getting some momentum in California call it a win because right. that's that's huge um and love that live it breathe it accept it take it but you're not going to win california just like you're not going to win new york i mean it's yeah. it's not going to happen yeah i don't think that's going to happen um but it's it, it's it's interesting and you, you know the thing about biden is he comes out of his out of his basement and he go he'll travel to a location He'll give a 20 minute speech. He doesn't take any questions. There's nobody there. He gives it to about six reporters. There's literally nobody there in the room, takes no questions. And then he flies back. He flies back home. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, at that point, why even bother? And the fact that, that, this, that Biden can't even campaign, he can't do it. Uh, and he's not doing it. And yet no. there's a, there's a good possibility that he could win the election. It boggles my mind to, to a large degree. Like I, I'm not, I'm not totally surprised because I think there are a lot of Democrat voters that will just in these blue States, they're just going to go to the polls and they're going to vote for the Democrat just because. And because of that, I think Biden stands a really good chance of winning, which is 
which is why I think if, if Trump is going to win, I think he needs to win in a landslide. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And, and when it comes to Biden having a chance to win and not doing anything, I mean, really, we talked about this before. Biden didn't have to be Biden. No, Biden could have been Smith or whoever. It doesn't matter. It's just the not Trump candidate. So that's uh, honestly, I think that's a big part of the reason why they said, yeah, we can take Biden. We can, we can puppeteer him just fine as far as the party's concerned. And it just needs to be not Trump. That's all we need. And I mean, shoot, he's been putting a cap on his, uh, uh, on his campaign days at like eight 30, nine o'clock in the morning. Um, and they capped him for the whole day. He's, he's going to go back in his hole. He's been going to do his debate prep, which there's a large surging idea out there that he's not going to debate. I know that that's, we're recording what Sunday night is the 27th. (laughs) The debates are two days away. There's a lot of people out there that don't believe that that's actually going to happen. Something's going to come up within the next 48 hours, whether it's a COVID exposure in his, um, in his campaign where he's got to go self-isolate for 14 days or something. So I don't know. It, it's, it sounds conspiratorial, but uh, what do you think? You, you, mentioned, um, you, you mentioned his inability to, to campaign, where he's putting a lid on, on his mm-hmm. campaign by 8.30, 9.30 in the morning. The, this is a problem, okay? And, and I think a lot of people don't recognize how big of a problem this is. You're talking about a man who's running for the most powerful position, arguably, in the world. And he's putting an end to his campaign for the day right after breakfast, which means he cannot campaign. That tells me that there's something seriously wrong with him that he cannot campaign. Now, this was taken, this screenshot right here that I have was put together on the 22nd. So it was actually on last Tuesday. Each of these red lines up until last Tuesday was a day that Joe Biden put a lid uh, before noon, or he, his campaign called a lid saying, and what that means is a lid says the candidate is going underground, is not going to be available, not taking any questions, not producing any news in the campaign, meaning I'm not going anywhere, we're not holding any rallies, we're not talking to the press, we're not doing anything, we're, we're just hunkering down. This is the number of days. We're in September. In September. And at the, the end of September, and he's already calling a lid. I believe he called a lid on Wednesday, the 23rd. I think there was another one on the, 20, on the 25th, and I think another one on, on Saturday, um, where the, he called a, they called a lid by, at 9.30 Eastern time. Yeah. Um, and so the, the, the argument last week was that he was doing, um, he was doing uh, debate prep. Debate prep. Now, the problem right. that I had with that the problem that I had with that is the media was coming out and saying, well, he's doing debate prep. Now, the problem is, is the media was coming out and making excuses on behalf of the campaign. Yeah. It's Nobody not- from the campaign said right. we are putting a lid so that we can um, right. do debate prep with our can't. Nobody there said that. Right. They're offering that up. accepting it as truth and also justifying it in their reporting 
you know, this is not un, uh, unheard of. A lot of candidates, people don't understand what it's like to have to debate and all the things that you could be asked. This is completely normal. There's nothing to see here. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. And I went, are you, are you the campaign or are you the media that's supposed to be reporting the news? Right. The media should be the one going to the campaign and saying, wait a minute, what's going on? Why are you calling a lid at 930 yeah. in the morning, 830 in the morning? and shutting everything down. You say it's, can't, it's debate prep, but what's going on? They're not even pressuring the campaign. And, and the reality is, yes, debate prep has to happen, but you don't do debate prep for 10 hours a day. That doesn't happen. They'll do debate prep. They might do a few hours in the morning. They'll take a break. They'll do a few hours in that, again, in the evening or that afternoon because they'll make adjustments. They'll make adjustments based on how he's performing. They'll make adjustments based on how news is developing. They'll craft, they'll, they'll change some of the answers as they do go through the debate motions and they start hearing how the responses are, then the staff will take those back and they'll reword some of the answers. And then they'll come back in the afternoon or evening to do debate prep, to do debate prep again. But during the middle of the day, especially in September, you should be on the campaign trail, you should be going through camp. Even if you can't do a rally, you can show up at a coffee shop, right? You can be right. taking, uh, you can be giving, um, a, a, you know, a briefing to reporters. There's a, there are hundreds of different things you can do. And when you compare that to what Trump is doing, Trump is right now, he's doing multiple rallies during a day. He's doing multiple rallies, plus he's governing the country. He's traveling all over the place. And you know darn well that he's also doing debate prep. Yeah, he's doing it in the air. He's like, well, I got two, three hours of travel time, air time. Let's do it now. Let's do this right now. We'll do right. round one. You know, once we get out of, uh, once we get done with this, I'll, oh, I got to run the country while I'm at it. Sorry, hold on. I'll take right. care of that. Then we can do some more on the way back. <laughs> so, so the Democrats are putting forward a candidate who can't even make it beyond breakfast. And this is the, this is the person that they want to run to to run the country there's there's something that's that's seriously wrong here and people aren't the 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 media is not doing their job by asking the question and that's egregious in my opinion that that's just absolutely egregious um well but unfortunately i don't think i'm alone in saying you know that's what we've come to expect from the media now that's sad and and I guess slightly terrifying to think of that, that we as a country have come to expect um, that level of lack of reporting or that level of neutrality um, within the media circles, but that's just the way it's been. That's the way it is. And we right. accept it now. Right. That's sad. And, and, and here's, you know, the problem is, is you have to, if you're, if you're on Camp Biden, if you're one of the campaign managers or one of the staff members who's running that campaign, not you that you know they're talking about this you know that they 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 know these people behind the scenes they they recognize that a lid at 8 30 9 30 in the morning is bad they know it's bad and when you do bring him out and he says something like this check this out america i pledge allegiance to the united states of america one nation indivisible under god for real for real for real that's for real. Yeah. He can't even say the Pledge of Allegiance. Now, he may have been, maybe he was doing freestyling or something like that and couldn't recall it at that moment. But 
that doesn't jive well with the with all of the rumors about him having dementia. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, they're, I mean, he's known as Dementia Joe. Right. And so every time he speaks, you can't, when you're putting a lid at 8 30, 9 30 o'clock in the morning, and he says this, you have to be cringing. America, I pledge allegiance to the United States of America, one nation, indivisible, under God, for real. For real. For real. For real. That's, or when he, that's what I mean. Like not not just kidding, but but for realsies. For realsies, or no or fooling. He, or when he comes out and says things like this. That's why I made it a priority my entire career to work closely with you, from the time I got to the Senate 180 years ago. What? 180 years ago. Work closely with you, from the time I got to the Senate 180 years ago. <laughs> Well, it may feel like 180 years. I, I, don't know, you know? <laughs> I, I think eight years in the Senate could feel like 180 years, but. Okay. Now, when you are, and I've said this before about candidates, you know, when, when Barack Obama was campaigning back in 2008, he made a comment about how his campaign had been, you know, they're trying to get to all of the different states. Um, and he's been to, you know, he's been to almost all of them. It was something like 57 states, but he had like yeah. five more to go or something like that, right? <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Um, those kinds of comments, typically, I give, a, I give candidates a pass. And the sure. reason why I do is because normally in a campaign, you are up at the crack of dawn. These Typically, a candidate will get about four hours of sleep if they're lucky. And they're up at the crack of dawn. They're getting briefed by their staff. They're on the road. They're taking questions constantly. They're talking to people. They're doing rallies. They're exhausted. They Mm -hmm. are in a state of mental exhaustion. And you know what? You cannot be perfect all the time. No. And, and, and I think most people, even, even whether you liked Barack Obama or not, you you recognize that, okay, he said 47, I think you were right. It was like 47, it was 57, 57 states and five more to go. You're like, wait a minute, dude, do math. And you kind of blew that off. You're like, all right. You know, I mean, it's, yes, we can make fun of it. Everybody's had a bonehead moment like that. I have those all the time, but when you're not campaigning past 8.30 in the morning right. because you've had your, your Egg McMuffin and now it's time to go nappy-poo and you go back home to go to sleepy, that does not mean and, – and you keep saying this stuff. All right, right. so over you put a lid on your, campaign, on your campaign and you go back home to go night-night time. And then you, when you do show up the next day – you're actually you had a sausage McMuffin, so you're a little bit more energized, and you go out <clears throat> and you spurt the these kind of things. You know what? The first ten times you kind of go, man, somebody's got to get that guy some extra protein in his breakfast because he keeps coming out and saying stupid stuff. But when it keeps happening over and over and over again, and you're still putting a lid on your campaign and canceling days. I mean, you're looking at an average of what, three days out of every week, sometimes more? Yeah. I mean, dude, you, no, it's beyond where I think most of the American public can forgive and just say, well, Sleepy Joe's just a little sleepy and tired. And, mm-hmm. you know, Joe Biden called a lid the day after, they called a lid at 9.30 in the morning, the day after 
Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away. You had an icon for the left, for the liberal left, pass away from the Supreme Court the day before. You had riots that night. We, we had the results of the Breonna Taylor- the Breonna Taylor uh, indictment. Indictment right. that had come out and all that kind of stuff. There was a lot of news coming out and they couldn't even get Biden in front of a camera to even talk about any of it. They put a lid at 9.30 in the morning and it's, it, you, if you are in that campaign, if you are a Democrat and you cannot act, actually look at how bad this is, then, then you're part of the problem. If you cannot yeah. look at this and, and rationally say, this is not good, mm -hmm. then you are part of the problem. You need to stop and you need to take your blinders off because this does not happen. This right. is something that, and, and I get the whole COVID thing. And I think this is one of the reasons why so many of the Democrats are so hinging on COVID. They're trying to use this as an excuse for Biden to stay hidden. But you know what? You don't have to put a lid on at 930 in the morning because of COVID. No. You can still be on new, you can still be doing interviews. You can still be taking questions from the media. You can be putting out your, you can be visible online all day long yeah you know and, and especially now with the way technology is just in comparison to well call it 10 years ago i i don't care um you can be still in your basement and wake up from your nappy poo and go holy crap we're gonna make a press statement and you can sit there and say you know what ruth bader ginsburg um wonderful woman blah 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 you go into the whole diatribe and then you can call out the president and the entire republican party for being a bunch of poo poo faces um but that's what y everybody expects you to be doing when you have news like this that happens you need to be on top of it and i as an american citizen as a voter needs to know that if riots break out because of an, an indictment hearing that didn't go the way the mass at the at the place actually wanted it to go and there's riots happening and violence in the streets i want to be to know that i can wake the president out of his nap and say hey mr president there's a situation we need you in the situation room to fix it and not go you know um, just a little i'm a little tired call kamala <laughs> but you know the thing is is they're not even putting kamala out there she's been a not she's been the nominee for over 40 days she hasn't done any she hasn't taken any questions she's not doing any press conferences she's not they're keeping her just under wraps as as they are hit well not as much but right. you know the media freaks out the, she wore timberlands and mm -hmm. the media freaked out and was like oh my god well melania melania wore timberlands too and they criticized her for it. Of course, of course. And she did it. She did it before Kamala Harris did. Mm -hmm. yep. um, anyway, well, I and I think they That's... they put a little bit of a lid on her right after the faux pas that she did. Was it last week where she came out and called it a Harris administration with right. Joe Biden? Right. Um, they went okay. Time out. We got to keep you away from the camera too. We got to go through your own camera prep. Right. I'm like. <laughs> How much prep do you guys need? Good Lord. Exactly. Exactly. So here, here's why I wanted to talk about, um, about mental fortitude, because 
Not but, testicular fortitude. Not testicular fortitude. Okay. Because look oh, at how look at how these people are responding. So I've just got, you know, I just want to show this. Um, so, so yeah, I, yeah, I just have to play this. Just check this out. Fuck off to people that are pro-life. I fucking hate you. Why can't women have abortions? I'm just on a fucking pro-life side driving down the fucking road. I'm in a miserable breakdown. And I just want to say all you people are so, you're so fucking stupid. Ugh! This I said, I want, I can feel pain before I was born. It's a baby. Bitch, I was born and I can feel pain. I wish I wasn't fucking born. Stop bringing these fucking kids into horrible fucking homes just because you're pro-birth. You're fucking stupid. And I wish I had been fucking aborted. I... Oh, my God. Wow. How mentally weak do you have to be that you see a pro-life sign and you be you turn into a blubbering mass of absolute hysteria. Uh, okay. Somebody doesn't believe what you believe and you're not only is the result, you losing your mind crying and just blubbering to no end, but then you, you also want to document it for posterity. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> well, okay. <laughs> oh, but oh, okay. Hold on, hold on. Don't don't play another one yet. Give me one. I want. Oh, <laughs> this is a montage of mental losing our minds coming. You know, I I think honestly, our generation is to blame for this to a point. You know, let me elaborate before you lose your mind. So um, we've talked- Are you, you talking about I Gen mean, X? Because these are not my children. Don't, don't, hold, hold on, <laughs> take it easy. What I'm saying is I, we have allowed our society right now to be so focused on justifying the, the feelings behind the situation and not putting anybody in a position to actually own their own emotion formulate their own thoughts in a, any kind of mental capacity and generate a cohesive argument to the contrary. We've, we've stopped telling people that they need to think critically and, uh, and set their emotions aside. I remember talking to my mom about stuff that would upset me and she says, now Jason, you have to set your emotions aside and look at the situation rationally. Set your emotions aside. Take emotion out of it. Do you remember having conversations with your parents like that growing up? I mean, I do. <laughs> I don't think our, or I don't think a lot of the, the children right now, and I call them children because that's how they're that's how they're acting. It's they're acting like emotional snowflake children, and we've encouraged it as a society to say, you know what, your emotion is right that's what matters. That's where you're justified and act on that first. And at least for me, 
that was not that wasn't appropriate you're acting irrationally set your emotion aside calm that down and actually look at the situation rationally and come up with a cohesive argument we don't tell anybody to do that anymore we say if it makes you feel bad then it must be wrong and then we cancel it well my parents told me to get over it (laughs) many times when i would come home whether it was you know me saying something to my dad or saying something to my mother my mother always had this saying she never talked about you know if there was something that was bothering me she would look at me and and the only thing that she would say is well builds character (laughs) builds character but and and basically it was suck it up i don't want to hear it suck it up suck it up buttercup i don't want to hear it and my dad was the same way my, my dad would look at me and I would, I would go off on this diatribe about how something was bothering me or how something in the world or the universe was against me. And he would, he would look at me and he would say, so what are you going to do about it? That's all he would say. Yeah. And it was well, up to me to try to, I had, basically that was my dad telling me, shut up and do something about it. If you're not going to do anything about it, well, still shut up. <laughs> shut up anyway. Shut well, up anyway. and you know, my mom and my grandfather, you know, that's, that's where they would say, well, all right, is there anything that you can do to fix it? And if the answer was, well, no, well then, well then shut up, let it alone, let it alone, put it aside. If it's not within your power to fix, then it's not for you to worry about. Yeah, it does you no good to worry about it. So let yeah. it alone. So shut up. Yeah. Stop it. If it is within your power to fix and you have the power to fix it, then put up or shut up, do something about it or let it alone. But that's your choice. Own it. Yeah. So, you you know, we are, we are in this situation and I think where a a lot of these, um, not all millennials, I think some millennials and some of these generation Z or whatever it is now. I don't even know. You know, I think we're, I think, I think there were a lot of parents and I would hear it all the time during the nineties, right? There were all of these parents that were helicopter parents. Um, then they started calling some of these parents snowplow parents because they basically just pushed all of the problems that were in front of their children out of the way. They didn't allow their oh, children to. So they never had to learn how to deal with never, anything. Right. And helicopter parents were the same way, right? They were held, they were always hovering around their children and any time that their child was encountering any kind of difficulty in life, then mom or dad was there to make things okay. You know, my generation, generation X, we were the latchkey kids. We were the ones that were coming home from school and our parents weren't there. We had to let ourselves in. We had to fend for ourselves at a very early age. My generation doesn't care about any of you people. We don't. We're the generation of, we want to be left alone. Leave me the F alone. That's how we were raised. We were raised that way because our parents weren't around. We were the kids that we stood up in the front seat of the car while the car was driving. (laughs) We were the kids who rode in the back of the pickup truck. Oh yeah. Without any kind of covering or anything. We're going to go to the store. You want to come get in the back? Yep. And you remember how you learned not to stand up in the back of the pickup truck? Yeah, because dad hit the brakes. Yeah. And sat you down. <laughs> right. I rode in the back of a pickup truck from Phoenix to Los Angeles. 
because there wasn't room for me in the cab. My cousin and I, we both rode in the back of the pickup truck. And it rained and it was cold. We were huddled under blankets the entire time. I'm not, I'm not lying. I believe you. Because <laughs> it was during, it was actually during, um, it was during the Christmas break. It was in between Christmas and New Year's. So it was still cold, especially when the sun went down. We didn't leave Phoenix until like just about sunset. <laughs> I have a whole bunch of comments that I could make, but I'm really going to just... You couldn't I'm even gonna, get. I'm gonna take rare form and shut up. You couldn't even get half a mile from your house with kids riding in the back of your truck nowadays without oh, getting pulled over. It's, so, it's ridiculous. Yeah, no, you couldn't. I I remember um, my my stepdad Dave his uh, uh Nissan Sentra, old Nissan Sentra. I mean, it was still boxy. Had a the moonroof that you could actually take out. Uh huh. Dude standing right up, yeah. <laughs> looking out. Right. Don't you tell your mom I let you do that. <laughs> I, I mean, you, you know, and, and so we, we grew up, I grew up, essentially nobody really given a rat's ass. Well, you no, know, it's not, they, no, they nobody cared. Not, they cared. Well, of but course they, wanted, they cared, but they always emphasis. said the same thing. You know what? He'll learn. He'll learn. <laughs> they'll, he'll, he'll learn. He'll learn. Something will happen, huh? you know? Hopefully he has all of his body parts intact after said lesson, but he'll oh. learn. Oh. I mean, my family was cold blooded, but my, my, you know, my Mexican family would get together. They would, and usually it was on a, on a Sunday when, when there was like this big meal and a big old barbecue or something like that. Right. So they would get together to this big old barbecue. There'd be all this food and everything like that. If you, I had to learn, I learned very early that when food was put on the table, you came and got food. Because in my family, if you didn't eat, that was your fault. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nobody was going to save you a plate at all. <laughs> Nobody. And if you showed up, there were a couple of times where I showed up and I'm like, you guys didn't leave me anything? And they're like, where were you? Not my problem. Yeah. You're hungry? Go find, there's food in there. Go fix something. There's, there's food. Figure something out. But, you know, yeah. all the barbecue is gone by that. You know, they're like, well, you should have come earlier. Yeah. You should well, have been here. You should have went, you know. You know, when dinner was on, I, I learned early, and that was a rule that stuck um well pretty much my whole life. When dinner was ready, you, you, yeah, you better be ready. No, mm -hmm. it's not a not a ready, not a you better be ready. I don't care what you're doing, I don't care who you're doing it with, it's dinner time. I mean, you dropped what you're doing and you get your sorry butt up to the table. Because if we have to wait to say prayer because you're still doing something, uh-uh. Yeah. No. You drop what you're doing and get your sorry butt up to the table. And so now we have created, we have created a part of our society that has never had to deal with any sort of difficulty at all. And now these people are grown up. They're young adults. They're going out into the world. And they see something that they find offensive and they don't know how to deal with it. Right. Right. And instead of, and this is where I was saying it's part of our responsibility. And I mean, ours, the whole society, not yours and mine, but instead of saying, suck it up, buttercup, we actually acquiesce to the emotions and feelings of this younger gen. You read off an entire list of, 
ridiculous. What I think you called them was it trigger trigger words? Yeah. yeah. That college campuses are now yeah. putting warning labels and stuff for these potential trigger words, and it's stuff like what squishy was one or or moist i'm like what the hell is wrong these are the kids that are supposed to be at some point leading our society i mean let's face it even the the donald trump's and joe biden's of the world they got their education through some sort of collegiate institution like these ones Mm -hmm. and they moved up in the ranks of companies and or you know, their political influence or whatever it may be to where now we're voting between one of the two of them. They are no different than these kids other than what they have been taught, what we are allowing them to be taught and how we're allowing them to be taught it. And nobody sees this as a big problem. And I go, you guys got a very big problem. Yeah. So look at, look at, look at this. Oh God. Okay. Okay, that's just... Uh, for for those of you not in the viewing audience, audience, um, that was only four women all screaming and hollering at one time. But why do they do these in the car? Why do they do? This I was just gonna say three of the four of them are recording this while conceivably operating a moving motor vehicle. That should be <laughs> a dead ringer for not good idea. What? <laughs> I mean, you know what? What if if Trump wins these? He's going to break these people. They're going to go into me- they're going to go into mental hospitals. They're going to have to be admitted. Um, they're they're going to have to be admitted. I would make an argument that four of those women are already broken. Well, yeah, but they're, they're going to become a blubbering mass of just gelatinous goo if Trump wins again. Did you see that? Again, They're, most they of them even, are blubbering already. <laughs> they haven't hit peak m- mental breakdown. <laughs> They're just they at DEFCON 2. They're not yes, quite down they, to this. They have not yet reached it. And they, they, if, if Trump ends up winning, their minds will literally melt and ooze out of their ears. Like they they're good you're we're gonna have mass suicide i I think we're just gonna have people committing suicides or i don't know what's gonna happen these people are broken trump has broken these people they cannot handle any of this and if biden wins yeah it's gonna be kind of a bummer because i'm gonna miss trump but i'm gonna be like all right well i guess i have to go on with my life Uh, that's like i get to make fun of biden for the next four years actually maybe for the next four months because he probably won't make it yeah, much no. beyond his Harris will inauguration. Be beyond that, but so, <clears throat> all right. Well, here's a, a sobering uh, 180 on this whole thing. So regardless of who you believe the best candidate for the presidency of the United States is, mm-hmm. as an American citizen, it would behoove you to safeguard your own mental faculties in a time like this and 
prepare yourself for the possibility, potentially overwhelming possibility, that your candidate may lose the presidency. And if you believe truly that, and this is regardless of whichever candidate, if you believe that your that if your candidate does not win the election, that it is the end of our country as we know it, then it would also behoove you to be in a position where you can better support the ideals, stand on the values and principles that you have to ensure the country and the vision that you have for it continue on. Is that making sense? If, if let's just pretend you are a a diehard Democrat or liberal or Biden supporter, if Trump wins the election, are you just going to give up? Are you just going to say that the country that you know and love isn't worth fighting for if he's the tyrant that is going to destroy it, and vice versa? If if you're a diehard Trump supporter, and I've heard this as well as you have. That, um, you know, if Biden wins the election, it's the end of our country as we know it. And I'm sure the other side is saying the same thing. So if I, let's just say, want Trump to win and Biden wins, I need to be in a strong place mentally and emotionally so that I can safeguard those um, freedoms and principles um, to the betterment of my family and my way of life. So... Losing yourself in the results of the election is just stupidity, and it's fruitless and pointless. Well, and mo mo many of these people, especially the, the younger generation, they have, they have really only been, lived through part of Trump and Obama, and they probably don't really remember much of Bush being in office. Mm -hmm. So most of what they know has been Obama being president. And now at least what they remember because they were probably too young to remember when Bush was in office or in, you know, even if they were born during the nineties, obviously they would be too really too young to even know about Clinton. Um, so for them, history started around 2008. Right. That's when their history well, started. Right. Um, those of us that have been around for a while, we've lived through numerous presidents. We've lived through several presidents before, and we know that these things will continue. It's just, okay, well, it's an election because you have to get to a point where you don't hinge your entire being on a politician who doesn't give two craps about you anyway. Right. Well, and you know, I, 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 I'll make a sports analogy. I guess it's, it's a good way to look out of it. You know, if, if you, you go to play a game, <clears throat> whether it's – we'll, we'll just say football. No, you know what? We'll change it up. We'll say basketball. You go play a basketball game, and you, you run, and you're playing both sides of the court, and you are doing everything in your power to win, and you fight with everything you've got, and you lose. You know what? The bus ride home sucks. Going to bed sucks. But when you wake up in the morning, you've got another game coming. You've got to have the mental fortitude to take what you can learn from that loss, apply the lessons that you've been taught, use that information, and go out and fight the next game 
even harder. Learn from your mistakes, capitalize on your triumphs, and hit it again. You can't die <laughs> after right. you, a loss. You, you, you just can't. You can't die. You have to keep going. And this is just this, you know, it's just ridiculous. But look at this. Look at, and this isn't even a, a Gen Zer. This is probably somebody who's in my generation, uh, sadly, maybe a little bit older. But look at this woman. This is how deranged. This is literally how deranged the left is. So what you can't see, those who, the person filming this, if you can't see, this is somebody on a street corner or on the side of the road. Um, they're filming some traffic that's happening on the other side of the street from them. Um, now, what you don't know is the people on this side of the, of the camera, behind the camera, there were a bunch of Trump supporters and they were standing out on, a, on the edge of a street waving banners and trying to you know, encourage, show support for Trump. This woman has Trump derangement syndrome. She just rear-ended another vehicle. She because she was hanging out of the driver's seat, double-handed, flipping off the Trump supporters, and she ended up her car moved forward and hit somebody else. And hit somebody. It gets. It gets better. It actually gets better. And the cops. Here's the cops. Are there? They were right behind her and they pulled over to the side oh of the road and then they walk up. The first thing that came to my mind when I saw this was that old Southwest commercial. Want to get away? Want to get away? <laughs> <laughs> You're, you are hanging out of the car, flipping off people that just have a different political view from you. I, I was actually surprised she didn't get out and then yell at the crowd that it was their fault that she did that. Right. Then who knows? Maybe that's the case she's going to be making to the, uh, the boys in blue. Now, I've got something for you that you need to check out. Oh, God. Because all of this so far has just been, you know, mindless we, we have something important this is this is an ad that was produced by the democratic national committee by the dnc um i believe it's just airing online okay so the, one that i probably haven't seen yet the the Demo- now the democrats they try to they they tend they tend to be and this is why i say we have to you have to speak from a position of principle Okay. The left is proudly known. They proudly proclaim that they're feminists. Yes? Yes. Okay. So we can agree on that. Right. They, they're all in favor, or so they say, they're all in favor for women's rights and for equality of women and all this they, kind of stuff, right? They, women. they are the party of feminism they are the party of the lgbtq abcfks they are you know which yes means, which means we are not supposed to view women in 
in sexual ways. We, we're not we supposed to ogle them. We're not supposed idolize to idolize or, or, or sexualize women. Correct. They're not sex, sex objects. They're not correct? objects. Right. Uh, uh, yes. Okay. Correct. Okay. So check out this ad. This was, like I said, this oh. ad was produced by the DNC. Okay. Check it out. And there, there is, there is, there's nothing terribly wrong about this ad. Oh God! But oh my the God! The fact that you are it, premising it this much is just unnerving pushes, already. It pushes the bounds. So check it out. Do we get your attention? Good. So, you're really not gonna vote. You know it's more than just the president on the ballot, right? Check it. A district attorney decides who to prosecute. Including whether or not to go after dirty cops. Do you know who elects the DA? We do. But you don't want to vote. Can't make it rain if you locked up on some bullshit. Want trades and coding taught in our schools? Then vote for the school words that will prepare us for the job market. Want to end cash bail? Well, then vote for the sheriffs and county officials that feel the same way you do. But you talking about, oh, they're going to pick who they're going to pick, shawty. Ferguson just elected their first black mayor. You know how that happened? It's clear black lives don't matter to some of our current elected officials. If they matter to you, then don't let other people decide who's going to run your community. Get your booty to the poll. Get your booty to the poll. Get your booty to the poll. Get, get, get your poll. For information on how and where to vote, as well as resources to find out who's running where you live, go to getyourbootytothepoll.com. Oh my God. Isn't that phenomenal? Some things you just can't unsee. They literally created an ad with strippers, strippers. pole dancing. Twerking. Oh my god! <laughs> the the amazing the amazing part of the video was not that video was our video in your face how your face <laughs> was mortified with the twerking with the woman that had vote on oh, both on ass both cheeks. cheeks yes clapping them yeah like clackers. <laughs> <laughs> should i play it again no god no (laughs) oh my god talk about a pander that's awful no 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 keep in mind the only thing i can think of when i see stuff like this is how the, the only thing that I can think of is their internal polling must be atrocious. So, well, here's what I can take away 100% that they are targeting. Well, uh, let me rephrase that. What I believe in that they're looking at is they are trying to target um, young to middle aged African American males. Right. Period. 
period. That's who they're targeting in, in this particular ad. And um, why would they need to do that? Because so they have to it, think, why well, are they no. doing that? So why would you, why would you need to do that? Well, um, we talked before about the, the belief that in order for them to get Joe Biden elected, they have to target the African-American community as a whole, big time. And we already talked about that. And traditionally, and, and you probably have statistics on this that I don't write in front of me, so I apologize. But African-American female voter turnout has surpassed African-American male turnout almost two to one. If I, if I remember correctly, um, black females actually turn out, especially in the age demographic that we're talking about almost double what males do. So if you just look at historical data, there's enough evidence to say that, that they need that vote 100%. But do I believe that you're correct in what you were saying that the internal polling that they've got right now says that there is no interest in getting up off the couch, which is a point that you and I have made already before, which is why they've been also pushing bum, ba, da, dum, bum, bum, mail-in ballots because mm-hmm. they think that nobody wants to get up off the couch to go into the polling places to vote. You have to be energized. Your voting party or base has to be energized in order to be able to convince them that it is worth their time and effort to actually leave their couch to go do that. Right. Yeah, I, I think their internal polling is atrocious. I, I think, especially among black voters, I think their their internal polling is is terrible, um, and not just a, not just with black voters, but I think just young voters in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think they're I, I think the young voters are probably coming out and saying when they're doing these internal polling. And keep in mind, they're polling every single day. They're not just oh, yeah. doing, when you're doing, when you're working on a campaign like this, you don't just do polls once a week. You poll every single day and you poll, you poll different, not just who are you going to vote for? You don't do that. You also poll like, Hey, if Biden were to go over here, what do you think of that? Or if Biden were going to take vacation and he were going to go to take vacation in Hawaii, what do you think about that? This is what they poll on. When you're running these campaigns from, from behind the scenes, you're, and none of these polls make the, make the news, but they shape how the campaign changes and adapts to what they're learning about in the polls. This right. tells me, this kind of an ad tells me that there is virtually zero or very, very low or very, at least anemic in terms of young voter, voter interest or young black male <clears throat> voter interest. And I think- right them and that's why you create this 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 ad yeah and and internal versus external polling there, there's a lot of things to consider there and I don't think a lot of people truly understand where where this even happens um, for example if you've got a you've got a phone whether it's Android or Apple doesn't matter and you play a, a game on your phone most of those free games or if you're like me you don't pay for anything you play a little free game you know in your downtime maybe once or twice a day or whatever that might be you know, most of those free games have ads. Well, I guarantee you, you have seen political ads on your phone pop up. Anytime that you click yes or no or whatever that is, you're submitting that answer to an internal marketing poll who's actually testing the efficacy of that marketing strategy. 
So if you see a new ad for Biden on your phone pop up in the middle of you playing your, I don't know, crossword game or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and you go, oh, that's kind of cool, and you touch it, boom, that, um, that data goes back to the marketing team for that campaign, and that says, we are getting positive responses, or we are getting negative responses from this ad. So it'll either change or they'll increase their frequency or expand the platforms. Those are the internal polls that the campaigns or like Lucy's talking about, they refer to when it comes to measuring the, whether it's the efficacy of their advertising and marketing strategies or what the, the issues and topics are drawing interest from. Correct. Anyway, I, I just think that's, uh, that's pretty ridiculous. Um, but I've got this other, this, um, this other article, article here that I wanted, I wanted to um, run by you. And again, this plays in with the whole mental fortitude thing. Okay. Now, imagine, oh my gosh, imagine that you are so wrecked over Ruth Bader Ginsburg dying that you write an article that says the death of justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg pushed me to join the satanic temple. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm role playing. <laughs> so this, uh, this, this one now, here, first and foremost, well, be- yeah. before we go any further, let, let me make it clear. You want me to imagine that I'm in this state understanding that I'm the kind of person that wouldn't could never do that for like 900 reasons. But for the sake of our listening audience, you are asking me to try and disconnect myself from reality enough to put myself in a mental frail position where a Supreme court justice passing away is going to cause me to worship the devil. Is that correct? Okay. Making sure I've set the tone here. So the, this was off of the Huff Post, Huffington Post. Okay. Guest writer here by a woman named Jamie Smith. I am a 40-something attorney and mother who lives in a quiet neighborhood with a yard and a garage full of scooters and soccer balls. I'm not the type of person who would normally consider becoming a Satanist, but these are not normal times. She goes on, she says, I am a 40-something, or I just read that part. Like so many other women in the United States, when I learned of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg's passing, my first reaction was not grief, but fear. I fear that American citizens are inching closer to living in a theocracy or dictatorship, and that the checks meant to prevent this from happening are close to eroding beyond repair. Okay, so Wait. I have to stop right there. We have okay, to analyze yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, no, 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 I, gotta st- I was going to stop you anyway, so Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we you lost we lost a justice from the supreme court right and yes that's a sad that's that's something that's sad we lost an american that was part of um, one of the three branches of our government but your initial reaction is to is to fall into fear now this is how much the left puts into abortion, into the idea of abortion. Everything hinges on abortion because I guarantee you that this woman is terrified that Roe v. Wade will be overturned in the Supreme Court. And that's, a, that's the only reason why she has done this. Go for okay. it. Okay. Now you're, you are, <clears throat> sorry, 
you are making a very large leap from talking about uh, a living in a theocracy and dictatorship to going to Roe v. Wade. Now, I'm sure you have your reasons, but from the outside, not having read any more of this article, um, I can tell you that I, I don't see the basis for that. The problem I have with this thus far, with my limited knowledge and understanding of religion and theocracy as far as that goes, um, Satan and Satanists live in a theocracy and dictatorship mindset. <laughs> that is exactly what that is. It is ruled by dark power and death. There's no freedom in Satanism. Well, well, let's let's see let's see what she has to say. Okay, okay. Go okay. ahead. When Justice when Justice Ginsburg died, I knew immediately that action was needed on a scale we have not seen before. Our democracy has become so fragile that the loss of one of the last guardians of common sense and decency in government less than two months before a pivotal election was put, has put our civil and reproductive rights in danger like never before. And so I have turned to Satanism. Right, because nobody, apparently she's never seen the movie Rosemary's Baby. Now, now let, me, let, me tell people, let me tell you exactly what would happen. Let's say for, you have to understand, first of all, is the Supreme Court, they don't make law. Supreme Court does not make laws. They you don't make correct. law. They just interpret law. So that's one point. They interpret the constitutionality of, of law. laws. Correct. Correct. Here's, a, here's another thing that has to happen. They, they can't just do whatever they want. They actually have to hear cases. And so before anything like Roe v. Wade could be heard again, before any kind of abortion case can be heard, there has to first be a case. Right. Second, it has to get up to the Supreme Court. Correct. And third they still have to say whether or not they're going to accept it and hear it. They may not. Correct. So all of that has to happen. It takes a very long time for, for any kind of a court case to make it to the level of the Supreme court. Mm -hmm. Not to mention that judicial precedence is a huge part of what the Supreme court has to take into account. If cases previously have been heard and ruled on that creates judicial precedence which right. means you cannot rule contrary to what has been ruled correct without any kind of actual cause you cannot just overturn existing law when the supreme court makes a decision on a case that's their interpretation of law. That interpretation stands in perpetuity until it is challenged in another light. You can't just change it. Now, now keep in mind another point here. Okay. If there happens to be a lawsuit that could potentially overturn Roe v. Wade, 
and it makes it to the Supreme Court. And let's say in that instance, the court rules and overturns Roe v. Wade because there's some new piece of information. Remember, like to your point, you can't just go against precedent. So there has to be some new information that would allow them to overturn it. But let's say that happened and the court overturns Roe v. Wade. What happens then? It actually becomes an issue that is decided at the state level not Correct. the federal level, because all that would mean is the idea of, of the concept of abortion is no longer a federal matter. It now falls to the states to decide. Most states in the union, if not all, I believe because of Roe v. Wade, they have some laws already written on the books that allows for abortion to happen. Correct. So which means at that point, it is entirely up to the states. And you would still be able to get an abortion the very next day, even if Roe right. v. Wade was overturned. Right. And this now with that in mind, all the, or most of the states, well, there, there's some like-minded states, I guess you could put it that <clears throat> way, but the circumstances in which the state allows for an abortion to take place may be different may be different state to state some states are a little bit more call it loose in their interpretation of what meets the criteria for a legal abortion and i say legal on purpose mm -hmm. um in those states some are a little bit more strict but you're right that goes down to the state to dictate from that point and many states many state legislatures put laws allowing abortion in place after Roe v. Wade as a stopgap measure in case Roe v. Wade was ever overturned because they recognize that if it was overturned, it would immediately become a state issue again. Correct. And they did that so that they could also put in parameters to regulate those abortions. Because remember, the idea used to be legal but rare. Correct. And so they wanted to have make sure that there were controls put in place to ensure that these abortions were safe, they were regulated, they were happening in clean facilities and all of these sorts of things. So it, that all has to be managed at the state level. Mm -hmm. So the states already have laws that allow abortions to take place. So even if Roe v. Wade were overturned, the abortions don't just stop happening. It just means it stops happening at the federal level, which means Planned Parenthood would not get federal dollars federal funding. from the government. Correct. That's Correct. what it means. And Planned Parenthood has already come out and said that if the federal government were to stop giving them dollars, that they would be able to continue to operate as they always have. Correct. So there's no reason for anybody to panic because of Amy Coney Barrett. None whatsoever. But let's continue. I was going to say, um, and, and my apologies to everybody, and you included, because uh, I think I've already failed my role-playing exercise. I, I lost it after paragraph one, so <laughs> I, I suck. <clears throat> Members of the Satanic Temple do not believe in the supernatural or superstition in the same way that some Unitarians and some Jews do not believe in God. Wait. I, didn't, I didn't understand that one. No. I, I'm, not all hip to, I'm not all hip to the lingo of the, of the Unitarians necessarily, but some Jews do not believe in God. So no, I'm, they just I'm, not I'm all upside down faced. 
I'm, I'm yeah. upside down faced. I got nothing. I, I'm, I'm confused. Yeah. She goes on, satanic temple members do not worship Satan and most are atheists. They are Wait. not affiliated in any way with the church of Satan. Instead, the satanic temple uses the devil as a symbol of rebellion. I don't oh, know, man. I got that. Honey, you, you have been duped. <laughs> yeah. just, uh, like, just like other faiths, the satanic temple has a code that their members believe in deeply and use to guide their lives. Wait, just like other faiths? Just like other faiths. You can't but they say don't, it, but they don't, you don't have, okay, nope, nope. I'm not going to do it. Keep going. But Sorry. they're atheists, but they have a faith because they have a credo that they use. Yeah. Yeah, these, you've been duped, honey. These seven fundamental tenets include that one should strive to act with compassion and empathy toward all creatures in accordance with reason that the struggle for justice is an ongoing and necessary pursuit that should prevail over laws and institutions. And that one's body is inviolable subject to one's own will alone. Well, here's a question. Go ahead. Do they believe that their wallets are also subject to one's will alone? Uh, no, that would be the uh, act with compassion and empathy, I think. So they, the hands are not off my wallet. Is that what they're... No, they, no. They still if get you to have, dip in and you, pull money out of my absolutely. wallet through taxes? It's, uh, yeah, because it's, okay. it's, it's giving to that you have, so you have to give to the have-nots. Right. I need to always check because, you know, it's always my body, my choice, but it's never... I can never say it's my wallet, my choice. I can never it's, say that. Yeah. You can't say it's my wallet, my money. Right. Right. No, no. Okay. Right. Just, just check it. Reading through the seven tenets, I was struck by how closely they aligned with the unwritten code I had used to try to guide my own life for several years. I realized happily that these were my people. Oh. oh. And that I had been a Satanist for several years without even knowing it. When Justice Ginsburg's death suddenly made combating the threats to reproductive rights and a government free from religious interference more urgent, I knew it was time to join them and support their conceptual and legal battles. Okay. Free, wait, wait, wait. We're free from religious interference. And yet you sought <laughs> comfort and refuge. I have a big through... problem with this whole thing, right? <laughs> Free from religious interference. Since when? Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. There, You're good. there are there are so many people in this country that believe that there is a separation of church and state, and they say that as if it's as if they're reciting the Pledge of Allegiance. Separation of church and state. First of all, nowhere, nowhere in the Constitution does it say that there is a separation of church and state. Nowhere. You what does it say tell. about the, se the quote-unquote separate? Where does that idea come from in the they, Constitution? They Dr. get Lear? it from the First Amendment, mm -hmm. which says, Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion. Okay. That's what they get it from. Yeah. But there are three branches to our government. Mm -hmm. The First Amendment, first of all, only calls out Congress. It doesn't call out the executive, and it doesn't call out the judicial lest I remind everybody that Justice Ginberg served in the judicial branch. Mm -hmm. Okay. So 
Congress cannot make uh, make a law that that establishes a religion. Okay, and what that also means, so they cannot create a state sanctioned. We cannot create. Congress cannot declare and make, you know, the Church of the United States. Correct. It cannot dictate and said every member of the United States will um, be Christian. Like King, Hen- like King Henry did in, in England, right? Correct. He came out and said, established the Church of England. You cannot do that in the United States. Right. Okay. But it also means, but that doesn't mean that you cannot make law against churches. You absolutely can. Mm-hmm. It just means that you have to make a law that applies to all of them. So you cannot make a law that says Catholic churches have to pay more taxes than any other church. Correct. Because that would res- that that is now creating a law that respects one religion over another. Right. You, there's no preferential treatment, no segregation in that regard. Correct. If you're going to if you are established as a quote unquote religious entity in this country, you pay X. And if you're going to increase taxes on religious entities, you have to increase taxes on all religious entities. Correct. All of them. So, you know, the, the whole thing is, is just this, this whole, this whole concept about religious interference and all of that, the constitution even states that no religious test can ever be given to hold any office, including the judicial or the executive or any, anything like that. The constitution says you cannot give that test. You cannot say you're Catholic or we, you can't, and you can't question them based on their Catholicism or based on their Protestantism or their Jewishism or their right. Satanism or anything like that. You can actually have a Satanist be nominated to the Supreme Court and you cannot, they, they cannot be, they cannot have that be held against them. Correct. So, and, and I've heard a lot of people say that they're, they're okay, we need a separation of church and state. And they don't like the idea that somebody's in a position of power who is also, uh, I don't know, Jewish or also Muslim or also Christian or whatever. But what I still don't understand, because this is not the first time I've heard this phrase, where is the interference? Where, I mean, where is the church actually interfering with the operation or manipulation of our government? I don't understand where that idea comes from. And what I think that means is I think that refers to somebody who might be serving on the Supreme Court, let's say, who has religious um, beliefs against, and I'm going to use this example, against abortion. There are- Well, okay, okay. And so now if I allow my religious views to come into play and to- overturn Roe v. Wade, then I have now allowed my religion to interfere with the governing of the United States. What they also fail to realize is every single person is going to have values that have built who they are interfere, quote unquote, interfere with the governing of the United States. They're going to apply that through the filter of the law and that's just a natural occurring thing. Well, and this is this is where I was just getting ready to go. You know, so all right, let's just pretend I'm an atheist, okay? Mm-hmm. So, um 
I don't have a religion or, or and I just, I just don't practice. I, I, I'm not religious whatsoever. Let's just pretend. What if trying or sitting as a Supreme court justice, you know, in my robe and tie and I'm so happy with my life and look at me and I'm up here. And what if my morals interfere in your eyes with what you see? Right. Are you going to tell me that morals should be also removed? Because ideally, I mean, you're, and I'm going to say that six, one half dozen, the other, most, a lot of people, not most, let me just say a lot of people have some sort of moral foundation mm-hmm. built from somewhere, whether it was your upbringing, your religious beliefs, your life experiences. I don't know. Um, you know, mother earth came down and showered you with sap and, you know, acorns or whatever. And that's where you get your, your moral ideas actually make up you as an individual. So regardless of where you take them, that's what you're actually talking about. What you're, what this person is actually saying, and this is what I argue is most people are saying, you're telling me that my moral fortitude does not align with yours. So mine must be wrong. And because you can't get mad at me, you want to try and take my morals out of the equation. Right. That doesn't happen. Correct. Of course it doesn't happen. But you know, for, for, for people who live in this kind of um, intellectual bubble, for them, they feel that that makes sense, but it doesn't. Not when you analyze it. Because everybody is going to have their certain values, their principles that they will, uh, that the law will pass through as a lens while they're looking at the interpretation of that law, you cannot get around that. Everything you do in life, even, even to the food that you buy at the grocery store, is going to be, it's going to flow through that filter of your personal principles, your morals, your, what you feel to be important. It's why some people buy Twinkies and other people buy spinach. Well, I don't know. I think there's other reasons for that too, but all right, go keep going. But you're going to, when you, even when you go to the grocery store and you buy groceries, you are going to make value-based judgments based on what you believe to be good for you or good for your family. You are going to apply your own values and morals and principles and all of that kind of stuff to what you pick out and what you purchase. It, it, It happens at everything that we do, whether it's, interpreting constitutional law or buying groceries. You cannot help that as a human being. It's part of who we are. It's how we think. Right. Let's see what else this uh, Jamie girl has to say about uh, Satanism. Even before she goes on, even before Ginsburg's death, the Supreme court was unwilling to provide adequate protection for a woman's right to choose and to control her body. Wait a minute. I thought, I thought so, everything came to a head and, and all of this happened with So why are we doing so why are we do why are we doing them? Unwilling to provide adequate protection? There's a there's a link here. I wonder what that says. I haven't clicked on it. Let's see. How the Supreme Court could overturn Roe while claiming to respect precedent. Oh, so it's just a uh, a hypothesis of how the uh, how it could be overturned. Okay. So in other words, there's no steel trap. It's not locked in place like you cannot change it. Here's a, here's a hint for everybody. Any law can be like changed. Anything, yeah. 
any law. Congress could go back and they can draft a brand new law that says we're going to ban abortion. They could do that. Yeah. Or they could, they could create some other kind of law. They could create a law that says uh, you can well, abort your child up to five years of age if they wanted to. They could create a law. I mean, take it completely away from the abortion issue that says uh, uh, we're going to outlaw all guns, period. End of story. They and that would that have, law. they could they write could that law. law. Now there would yeah. be lawsuits, but. Oh my gosh. And, Congress and doesn't care about the constitutionality of laws. They're supposed no. to. They're supposed to take that into account. They're supposed to look at it. However, the judicial branch and, and the Supreme Court says, no. That and how, con- and, that's- but then again, how long would it take for an actual court to go all the way up through to the Supreme Court and for them to actually choose to hear it? It could take, I mean, it, it could take years on the low end, it, it would at least take a few months. Oh, months. Um, but yeah. it, it could take some time depending on, on the lawsuit yeah. and what's actually happening. Um, let's see. The court was unwilling to keep church and state separate. We've already talked about that. We've now, about without her voice, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, without her voice of reason on the court, let alone her vote, Roe v. Wade is in imminent danger of being overturned, not based on legal arguments or scientific reasoning, but because of religious objections to what is a safe and necessary procedure for the women who seek it out after discussion with their physician. I told you this was all about this was all about abortion. Yeah, well, I didn't have that information up the the, the first paragraph, but thank you. This this is what it's always about. We have. This, but, at, at, the okay. ti- at the time of this writing, there wasn't even a person picked yet. <laughs> I, I, okay, wait, just to put the, I'm, I'm going to surmise this whole thing here real quick because I, I want to make sure everybody has a perfect understanding and picture of what we're talking about. We have a lady who is so distraught about the interference of religion to the potential influence into the Supreme Court that possibly at some time over the next, I don't know, five months to 50 years, the idea that a woman would not be able to go murder a baby growing in her tummy, that she is going to now worship Satan. Yes. Okay. I just want to make sure we've got the whole picture of this idiocracy. I want, I want, I want you to know that this whole liberal leftist thinking in and of itself, I think is a cult. It's, it's, it's a religion in and of itself. I mean, when you, when you look at what they have, what, what, what are some things that religions have? Well, religions have uh, their doctrines that they believe in things that, that are supernatural or greater than you or I that they believe in. One of those things that the left believes in wholeheartedly and that they will die for are things like global warming. They eat that sucker up hook, line, and sinker. And we're not allowed to debate it. We're not allowed to even question some methods or anything. We have to accept it on faith alone. That's what we're told. And we're told that the science is settled and that we have to just accept it. But that's not what science is. 
scientists are still debating E equals MC squared. They're still debating and dealing with the theories of relativity for crying out loud. It, it hasn't even E equals MC squared. It hasn't, what Einstein did, what has, what has, what developed into the nuclear bomb, nuclear energy as we know it, for example, which came out of the theories of relativity. And we still don't even have a scientific law around that. And yet we're still debating that and running experiments in the scientific world, but yet global warming is, it's settled. We can't ask any questions. We have to, you have to accept it on faith alone. They also have, they also have their prophets, just like any religions do. They have their prophets that carry the banners. There's a little girl running around from Scandahuvian nation, you know, that uh, Thun, Greta Thunberg, remember her? Mm-hmm. She's go, she spoke at the United Nations. She's, a, she's one of their prophets for global warming. Al Gore was one of the prophets at the, uh, in 2000. And he created, he made a movie. He won a Nobel Prize for, I don't know, for, <laughs> for, for doing something, for flying around the world talking about global warming. Yep. Okay. They even have sacraments and getting an abortion is part of their sacrament for the left. You have women out there who, you, there, there have been women who have written articles and stories and things about how they, they actually went out, got pregnant through one night stands just so they could go celebrate and have an abortion. This is how, this is how sick and depraved this whole concept of Roe v. Wade has become to the left. It is a sacrament that is considered holy to them and it cannot be overturned. But let me go on. Let me continue. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. No, no, no. I'm not going to let you get away with All that right. that easy. So, All right. because I want to challenge you from an opposite perspective, just because we want to make sure that are we looking at everything fair and balanced, right? Sure, sure. Let's do that. So, could do you think conservatism could be viewed by those on the left as being cultish in that same regard? I mean, we have our tenets, you know, of uh, freedom and independence and capitalism and um second amendment and you know we've got our 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 gun champions who are out there and the nra who's out there and actually championing i mean could you say the same thing about conservatism so what particular tenet of conservatism requires that we accept it on blind faith i i i'm i'm i don't know i'm i'm asking maybe it's a rhetorical question but really i I just want to make sure that we're looking yeah. at both sides. It, is there it's, now we we believe in we believe like I believe in in the right to bear arms, and I don't believe that from a perspective of well I have to accept that on blind faith. I take that by looking at what the lack of arms has done to other countries throughout history. Sure. Well, and okay, and and believe me, I I believe in my right to bear arms too, but. Could the same argument be made that, a, you know, the, a woman's right to control her body or, or to have an abortion is her right? Now, I have, <clears throat> excuse me, arguments against that just because of right to life. And, but I'm just trying to say, do, is there any correlation? Can we make that same argument for, for the opposite? And no, I don't believe we can. And the reason why I say that is because there's a, there's a very specific thing or way that a right is defined. So we have, the, we, 
we have the right to bear arms. That's outlined. It's not, it's not a belief. It's literally outlined in the Constitution of the United States that the citizens have right, the right to bear arms. It doesn't say that, that I have a right to acquire a gun. It just says that once I have a gun or a weapon, that I have the right to, to, to that weapon. And the reason why that's important, unlike, unlike the, the proponents of the pro-life or the pro-choice side of things, they say that the abortion is the actual right, that they have a right to the abortion. Okay. Not that you have a right to seek to get an abortion, but that you have a right to the abortion. And that's a very specific way of wording it because what that means now is in order for the right to be given, it has to rely on other people to provide that abortion. Mm -hmm. The, the, the whole right about the right, the freedom of speech or the freedom of the freedom to bear arms, the way it's worded does not mean somebody has to give me their, that right, which means I don't have to violate another person's rights in order for my right to bear arms to exist. Once I acquire the gun, the firearm or the weapon, even if it's a broadsword, I have the right to bear the arm, but I don't have the right to go request and force somebody to give it to me. And that's a big distinction that's different between the left and the right. And that's why I don't think that the, that through conservatism, it meets the same level of, of cultishness that it, that things do on the left because, well, and, and I'm not going to argue that there's not a blind adherence to some of that other, which does akin it to a faith-based walk, much like this lady's talking about with her Satanism here. But, um, no, I just want to make sure that we are balancing it out. So I appreciate that. Sure. Yeah. And that's a good point. And that's, that's a fair point. She goes on here and says, Ginsburg's replacement is all but certain to be vehemently anti-choice with one of the top contenders belonging to a sect that actually used the term handmaid to refer to some women until the popularity of the TV series, The Handmaid's Tale, gave the term negative connotations. You know, whenever I talk about this this concept of pro-choice, I always ask people, well, what about all of the choices that you could make to not get pregnant? But that's neither here nor there. Oh, I'm what sorry. Uh, were, you were looking for a response to no, that? No, no, because... that, that was rhetorical. That was well, rhetorical. And, and the issue, and here's where I find a lot of people, unfortunately, lie with the abortion issue, which I w- wasn't expecting to talk about much tonight, but that's okay. Um, I think most people, are vehemently against abortion for the purpose of birth control. I mean, would you agree with that? Yes. Okay. Um, However, I do believe that most of the pro-choice warriors that are out there don't believe that any distinction in that should be made whatsoever which is why you probably are opposed in that line of questioning more often than not, because it's none of your damn business. My body, my right. Yes. And there, you know, there, there are, there are debates around what is the, what is the 
moral function of government. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and that's a prevailing question. Which is um, interesting that she finds, um, um, she finds issue with the interference of morals or I'm sorry, religion um, mm-hmm. into the functionality of our government. So. Right. So the, the, the only real purpose of any government is, should essentially be to protect its citizens. Yeah. Protecting the citizens from external invasion by a foreign power, for example. Like I, a government has a duty to protect its citizens from foreign aggression. The government also has a duty to protect citizens from aggression internal to the country itself. Yes, against sir. against other people, and that includes things such as, um, v- you know, violent attacks against your person. It also uh, uh, the government is there to protect you from theft, mm-hmm. whether that from occur uh, from your on your person, property. but property, mm-hmm. right? right? Stealing, right. stealing something from from others, because so that's a type of protection. Also, to pro- provide protections for things like intellectual property. Okay, so that's, a, that's another moral form of government because it protects the property, the things that you create that belong to you. Correct. The argument can be made that who among us as human beings is the most vulnerable and deserves the greatest amount of protection? Well, some might say, you might say, well, that could be uh, the infirm the very elderly who are in and and sick okay who cannot protect themselves right that need that uh, that extra protection and i would say you're absolutely right but another group would it's also children. be children correct and so a moral function of government is to do everything that it can if a moral if a moral government is there to protect its citizens then why shouldn't a moral government protect the unborn the group, a group of a group of people that need the greatest amount of protection, children, mm-hmm. children in and of themselves. Now, this is why this is why the left has twisted themselves into pretzel knots to try to to try use, and determine when life actually is sustained yes. within the womb, because once it's living, breathing person. Now they are afforded protections and which is why every one of them out there and you guys know who you are. Every one of them out there when they talk about aborted, they don't say aborted babies. They don't even use the term babies anymore. They don't use the term human beings anymore. They say embryo. They say fetus. Um, In order to dehumanize. Correct. What it is. Correct. But it's not a clock. It's not a tiger. It's, it's not a watermelon. It's specifically a human life that is forming. That's what it is. Yeah. Now, and the if, more they can get people talking about it and not use the words human being, you right. can treat it like a thing, Correct. not a person. I would have much more respect for people to come out and say, you know what? I absolutely do want to kill human beings. I would at least have right. more respect because at least you're being honest. At least you're being intellectually honest. And now we can have a better discussion. Okay, you're, you're for the, the murder of human beings. Do you have limitations on that? And, and it would, it, we can at least have, let's at least be honest. If you're, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. If, if, you, if, you, if you favor abortion, at least have the, the, the conviction 
to say what it is that you mean. Right. At least have the conviction to say, you know what? I am all in favor of killing babies. Yep. I'm okay. fine with murdering babies as long as they are under or, or they're not actually born yet. And, and there's a, I think there's, a, there's also a difference between with people on the right. And on one hand, you can say, and on one hand, there are people like me, conservatives, that will say, you know what, fundamentally, I have an issue with abortion, and I think that all human life is precious and should be protected. And we should, we should go to, we should at least do everything that we possibly can to ensure that human life is preserved. Okay. That is sort of this, that comes from a deeper moral place that transcends government. But I can also have a conversation looking at things from a purely physical world relationship and legal standpoint and say, you know what? Okay, if, you want, if, if we're going to, at least as a society, say that abortion is legal, okay, then, then, that's, then we can have that conversation. And so, but my point beyond that is, well, if I wasn't part of the fun in making it, then I don't have to pay for it. I shouldn't have to pay for it at all. Right, right. Pay for no, your own and, damn abortion. And, and, you know, and turn this around, you know, okay, we all, we have a constitutional law. We have the right to bear arms. We use that same, same analogy. Now, just because we have the right to bear arms does not mean that every American citizen gets a government issued nine millimeter Beretta. And, and your tax dollars do not come to me or, or pay for right. that government-issued piece of, uh, of hardware. Right. No, that doesn't happen. Nobody's taxes go to give me money to buy a gun. Mm -hmm. So why should my taxes go to pay for somebody to go get an abortion? Yep. If, you, if we want to say that you have the right to pursue one, we can have that conversation. And we've all... Roe v. Wade exists where we basically have said as a society that you, that you can go and seek one. Well, then go seek it on your own. Yep. Don't involve me in it. Okay. Okay. <sighs> Jamie continues here. <laughs> oh, She's, oh, goody. She says, in the hours after Justice Ginsburg's death, I sat wondering what the future would hold for my daughters. Oh. Can you imagine sitting there and no, thinking? No, 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 no. You've already asked me to imagine once. I don't think I have the mental fortitude to do that anymore. <laughs> imagine sitting there and thinking, I want my daughters to be able to go get an abortion someday. Imagine thinking that. Their ability, their ability to live in a country where the religious beliefs of others would not play a role in their right to assert autonomy over their own bodies was suddenly starkly in danger. She is literally saying, I want my daughters to grow up and be able to get an abortion someday. Yes. Yes. How dare anyone out there say that they cannot? Correct. And you know what? Just, I can understand the premise by which she's coming from to a point i can i can honestly so i'm trying to look at this as best i can so i apologize for everybody out there i understand when you're saying i don't want anybody saying to my children what they can or can't do with their own lives with their own body with their own beliefs etc cetera, etc cetera. i i can understand the premise behind that but the fact that i the idea of me 
saying to my daughter that she can't go get pregnant and kill a baby. Well, I would tell her that anyway, but that's me. Keep in mind that before Roe v. Wade, before Roe v. Wade was even a thing, Mm -hmm. women, if that were, because this always comes up, the whole concept of um, a medical emergency where the baby has to be aborted to save the mother, for example, these, these kind of arguments always come up. And, and leftists often ignore the reality that the vast majority of abortions in this country occur simply because the woman wants one, right. not because there's a, uh, there's a uh, physical need to actually abort the baby in order to save the mother's life. Because when those situations happen, they actually happen, they, they, and they, they can exist. Mm-hmm. There are situations where um, a mother needs to abort the baby in order to save her life. And that's a decision that the mother has to have with her physician and hopefully with the father of the child to reach that, that conclusion. But those types of things happen in a hospital. Correct. And, they, they, and those types of things have happened before Roe v. Wade ever existed. Correct. And they would happen regardless. Yes. And we would continue to have those. Yes. Yes. So let's, let's And it's stop. not a friendly, it's, that's a tough conversation to have. It, I, I, yeah. I, um, you know what? I, I had this conversation with my wife. Um, you know, my, my wife had to go to the hospital when my daughter, when she was pregnant with my daughter, two months early. And her and I had this conversation. Yeah, I can't even it's imagine. It's not. It's not an easy conversation. No. Luck, luckily, um, both of my wife and my daughter are both here. Right. But we had to we had to talk about the possibility of of me being in a place where I was going to have to choose between one of the two of them, and I and her and I talked about what that would look like. Yeah. And it's not an easy thing. It's no. and. I remember that very vividly, but regardless of whether Roe v. Wade existed or not, that conversation still would have been had. And that still could have been a possibility of something we would have had to deal with. So this, it's just, this is ludicrous, but right. anyway, it, it's, it's absolutely ludicrous. Traditional, she goes on, traditional means of keeping abortion safe and legal seemed woefully inadequate to protect the rights that women in the generation before me had fought so hard to secure. It's all about the abortion. Almost immediately, I sought strength in the satanic temple's efforts to turn religious arguments on their head by pushing for religious liberty for their members on an equal basis with believers in the dominant Christian faiths. And this is not just a theoretical push. The temple has launched campaigns and filed lawsuits to compel the government to do this in matters ranging from exemptions from legal mandates to cover birth control to the ability to display religious symbols in government buildings or allow religious clubs and public schools by pointing out by pointing out instances where the government has favored Christian rhetoric and filing legal challenges to stop it. The satanic temple has transformed belief into action and has demonstrated what freedom fighting truly looks like. Look, this part right here, legal mandates to cover birth control. That is that is forcing other people, you and I, or anybody else out there, to pay for other, pe- for other people to have birth control. Mm-hmm. They want this as a right. 
The Satanic Temple hopes to appear before the Supreme Court in a case challenging a Missouri abortion law that requires those seeking to terminate their pregnancy to first receive materials asserting that their abortion would end the life of a separate, unique person. The temple argues that these materials violate the deeply held religious beliefs of one of its members regarding bodily autonomy and scientifically reasonable personal choice. The argument the Satanic Temple is using is the same one the Supreme Court effectively endorsed in the Hobby Lobby birth control case for which Justice Ginsburg wrote the dissent, that no one should have to follow a law that violates their deeply held religious beliefs. If a Christian should not have to do so based on their religion, a Satanist should not have to either. This is what equality under the law means on a fundamental level. But she just talked about just, how, this, how this Satan, the Satanic Temple, was not a religion. Right. Exactly. So, so if it's not a religion, then you don't get to have religious rights. Right. Correct. But that's... I, I, <laughs> we, we talked before about hip, hypocrisy doesn't cross the midline. You know, you can, if you're on the left side of the midline, you, you can be hypocritical all you want. That's absolutely okay. But it's not all right for anybody else to talk like that. Right. So. If you're if you if you're not in a religion, then you don't get to have religious rights. But plain and simple, if you don't own a car, then you do not get the rights that come with owning a car. <laughs> you don't get to have the privileges that come with owning a car, because or you the choose responsibility. or the responsibility. Great. Yeah. So you don't get those. And, and not all religious, sometimes, you know what, exercising your religious rights also in, in many respects means you don't get to do what you actually would like to go do. Because you know yeah. what, following a religious doctrine is actually kind of hard. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it, it, that there are rules. Right. <laughs> and a lot of times you have to make a choice on whether or not you're going to follow those or not. And that's what we're actually talking about when we're saying you're exercising a religious right for the government, because your religion has already stipulated some rules that you're supposed to follow. Right. And the government is, is contradicting that. In, mm -hmm. in many cases, the government is trying to make it easier for you to not have to follow those religious rules. Essentially. And so, you, yeah. and so you're basically saying, no, 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 no. My religion, which I hold dear, tells me that I have to do this instead, which is really a pain in the ass because I really don't want to have to follow these religious rules anyway, because they're a pain in the ass and they get in my way, but your law makes it so that I don't have to. Right. Yeah. So, it, my, it, so my religious right is really let me follow my religious doctrine. Right. It, it's like, uh, you know, if the government were to come out and say that uh, churches are no longer allowed to uh, receive donations or raise funds, i.e. you're not allowed to tithe anymore. <laughs> as a as a christian you know what there's a lot of people going oh man that's a bummer i i didn't like writing out that check or giving my you know my my tithing amount and giving up all my money and oh and guess what no more assembling on sundays yeah. oh i get football and my money back guess yeah. what guess what i like the government's plan but that's you know that's not that's not the way it works I'm going to skip this one because she doesn't say anything in that paragraph. Okay. She goes on and says, I was able to become a mother when I wanted on my own terms. Throughout my pregnancy, I had access to scientifically accurate information and the ability to make informed choices with my doctor. 
while I never had an abortion, I want the same opportunities to choose for my, for my own daughters. Who in their right mind is saying that any new justice is going to take away access to scientifically accurate information and the ability to make choices with your doctor? Well, if, that is if, different from going to going and seeing an abortionist. Well, if, that is if different. The ability to have an abortion is not a viable choice for you. Then, okay, then there's that. Nobody is going to say you cannot have access to scientifically accurate information. Nobody, nobody is going to say that. Nobody is going to say that OBGYN, you can't have a conversation with them. Yeah, no, because they don't have scientifically accurate information in their waiting room. My God, just ridiculous. There is a chance, there is a real chance, she goes on, that the Supreme Court will be lost for a generation or more to justices appointed for their religious beliefs rather than a deep understanding of the Constitution or a desire for justice to be carried out on an impartial basis. Where's um, the basis for that statement? I, I don't understand that. She's grasping I, I don't think, at straws. I don't think any justice, or you know what? I don't think just about anybody besides somebody in the church has been appointed to any position based on religious beliefs show me once where that's happened now i will say this what she's you know she hasn't come out and called amy coney barrett by name but she's absolutely re referring to her in this in this write-up okay she is okay. referring to amy coney barrett which who is the nomination for the to replace ruth bader ginsburg now the issue is amy coney barrett is a Catholic. She's a devout Catholic. As a devout Catholic, she has come out before and said she is against abortion. The left is freaking out. Mm -hmm. Who else is a Catholic? Joe Biden is a Catholic. Nancy Pelosi is a Catholic. Why aren't they afraid of them? Uh, because they don't sit on the Supreme Court and they can't overturn Roe v. Wade. Well, yeah, I guess, but, but they're Catholics, the they are Catholics who have come out to say, we're not really Catholics because we believe in, in, in allowing abortion to take place. Oh, so they're okay. safe Catholics. Got it. <sighs> she goes on here because of this, I believe that the satanic temple and its members dedication to fighting for true freedom represents our best last defense against anti-choice lawmakers who are seeking to assert power over women's bodies and take away our right to choose. We need creative, resolute thinkers who are willing to stand up for what they believe in and take concrete action to do so. And the satanic temple is full of those kinds of people. I am proud to now count myself among the ranks. So resolute thinkers who are willing to stand up for what they believe in as long as they believe the exact same exact things same that thing I do. you do. Right, exactly. Yeah, because there are no resolute thinkers who are willing to stand up for what they believe in who don't believe in abortion. And the entire time, I'm <laughs> almost at the end, I'm at the end of the article. Uh -huh. The entire article has been about the concept of abortion. Correct. She hasn't brought in anything else. No nothing. She hasn't talked about gun rights. She hasn't talked about global warming. She hasn't talked about 
um, the, the ability to buy marijuana. She hasn't talked about uh, taxation. She hasn't talked about taxing corporate, corporate interests. She hasn't talked about bringing, forcing corporations to come back. She hasn't talked about immigration. She hasn't talked about the environment. She hasn't talked about anything. Nothing, nothing else that the Supreme Court would actually be looking the at. Only, the only thing. <laughs> only thing this woman is concerned about is abortion. And, but obviously, it's a big enough issue that not only has she set out on a crusade of her own, making sure to protect her own rights as well as those of her daughters, but she's joining the satanic temple. This last paragraph just says the exact same thing that the previous, that the prior paragraph says. So it's pointless to go through it. Um, th this is what people are freaked out about. And, and what I find so funny is that the Democrat party has taken a, a, a very drastic turn over the last week. I don't know if you've been paying attention, but uh, first it was, it first they, they they were shouting and saying no no nomination do not nominate then they said well if you if you if you do nominate we're not going to vote on it then they said then they realized well that's bad because if we don't vote on it then they'll just vote her in and then we're stuck with her so then they said but if you if you put her in in the supreme court then we're going to expand the court and pack it they just they admitted that Yep. Then, then everybody said, well, that's dumb. And now you're whining and throwing a fit and you're going to abuse your power if you do that. And so then they said, well, if you, if you put her in there, then we're going to burn everything down to the ground. And we said, well, you're already rioting. You've been rioting since March. What the, what the hell are you talking about? And, and so now they just well keep... <laughs> they, they just keep moving the goalposts. And now the, I think the last thing they've come out and said is, well, if Trump wins and he pushes the Supreme Court nomination, then we're just going to leave the country. Oh, I didn't hear that. Yeah. That one I didn't hear. No, I remember hearing um, uh, Nancy Pelosi saying, if he nominates, then uh, we're going to impeach him. Oh, I forgot about the impeaching. Oh, yeah, yeah we're going to impeach. Well, they, came out, they came out now and said uh, just a couple of days ago and said, oh, yeah, we were taking that off the table. Well, Which yeah. means they don't have the votes to to do it. And again, the they these people do not both sides. They do not make decisions unless the polling shows them the way. Well, and the other part too. I mean, we we have to. Nancy Pelosi herself said that the president. Now, this was a few years ago. Um, said that the president has a sworn duty to make a nomination. Now, this was, of course, when this was Obama, in 2016. Uh huh. Was in office, yeah. and she was right. Yeah, she was right. That is his. That is the president's job. There's a vacancy. You make a nomination. Do your job. And she was right then, and it is right now. And and so Trump making his nomination is 100% correct to do. Now, if they choose not to vote on it, that is their right. They don't have to. But they don't have to vote. They don't have to vote. Absolutely not. But but the Democrats right now don't have control to be able to hold the vote Correct. off. And you know they would. If they controlled oh, sure. the Senate, oh. they would they would absolutely hold it off. And and they've admitted that. They've said that. They would admit it. 
They, 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 they would. And you know what? The, the Republicans admitted it in 2016. Yeah. Said, you nominate whoever you like. We're not going to do anything with it. Yeah. We're going to hold the vote off. Sure. And that's their right, too. So, I mean, you can be mad and upset about the situation as it is, and I get that they are, but to throw these things out and to try and say, if you make a nomination, we're going to riot. You know what? That's disgusting to me for a handful of reasons. One, the rioting and the protesting, it's absolutely violence upon the American people. Now, either... What you have set up to this point is that, you know, we don't condone and endorse the rioting and we don't condone and endorse the, the, the kind of damage and destruction or the violence that's happened and we have no control over it. Either that's true and you've just been complacent to it or what you're saying now is that you absolutely have control over it and you're going to encourage it and make it worse, which is disgusting. Yeah. Because I'm sorry. You know what? If you're pissed off at the president for making a nomination, then be pissed off at the president. Do not burn down the businesses and murder people in the streets who are innocent because you're pissed off at the president. How dare you? God, these well, people, man. We, we have, you know, uh, this coming Tuesday, we have the debates and I'm going to watch them. Oh, and now uh, I'm going to ask you a loaded, but honest question. Uh-huh. I, I, I started with this a little bit earlier. There's a lot of people that really don't believe that they're going to happen at all. I'm still Do on the fence. They will. I'm still on the fence. If there are a lot of Democrats now calling for Biden not to debate, uh, I, I, I'm on the fence. I think at this point, I think it's 50, 50. I, I, I honestly think it's 50, 50 that he's going to do the debate. Uh, I think it would be a disaster if he doesn't, I think it would be a disaster with the moderates and the, the people in the middle of the country who um, th- there are a lot of people who are not paying attention to politics right now. And they look forward to the debates to figure out who they're going to vote for. And if Biden doesn't show up, I think that's going to be a disaster for them. But at this point, I, I can't, at this point, I don't put it past them. Uh, and, and it, and with him putting lids on everything, I think his, I think they're going to have to get him hype hopped up on cocaine and put him out there. I, <laughs> I, I, I don't know how else you keep him. You get him cogent. I, I honestly don't know if I were, if I were his campaign manager, I would be stressed out every day. The, here's the thing. Yeah. I believe Biden has been doing uh, debate prep, debate prep. Yeah. That is basically him sleeping. They need him completely rested. That is, that is technically debate prep because I don't think he can function. And I don't, and I think, I think Trump at this point, the, the, the bar is set so low for Joe Biden, him just showing up, the media is going to declare victory. All he has to do is show up and they will declare victory. No, they'll declare victory. But I I make one prediction for Tuesday. It is going to be a hundred percent accurate. You ready? Mm. It's going to be a disaster. It's going to be because no matter what happens, it's a disastrous outcome. And, and I, 
if Joe shows up and he does the debates, I, I, I just, you know what? Maybe I'm, maybe I'm going to be completely shocked and wrong and you can call me out on our podcast next week, but I just don't see how he makes it through that whole thing. I mean, it's, it's going to be a freaking meltdown hot mess. Yeah. At best. uh, It's going to be amazing. And, or he doesn't show up at all. Yeah. I I still believe I still think there's a very high percentage that they get him locked down for his own safety and call it a COVID exposure from some random staffer who was out at some bar. And then, then of course they'll presume to have, it'll be presumed to have COVID or something like that. And then, or maybe, Ooh, here's an idea. Maybe the salon that Nancy Pelosi went to, somebody there was exposed, which means she was potentially exposed. And being around Joe means he could have been boom, locked down. And it's all now we can all be mad at the hair salon owner who nobody got mad at that we were supposed to get mad at because, you know, she she trapped Nancy Pelosi into getting her hair done. Remember that? So, Yeah, yeah. yeah, nobody got mad at her enough. Um, so maybe this will actually be the icing on the cake, but I'm telling you either he doesn't show and that's a disaster or he shows up and that's a disaster. Yeah. I, I believe there will be a lid called tomorrow yeah. around by eight 30. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there, there will be a lid tomorrow and they're going to use the same excuse of debate prep because they need him fully rested and ready to go for Tuesday. Yep. And um, no, nobody's going to see him Tuesday until he gets there. No, no. And, and that's if he shows up. But at this point, I don't even know if he, I don't, I, I'm on the fence. I don't know. I have no idea. It'll be, it'll be really interesting. Um, It'll be a good time. So. Yeah. If it happens. Yeah. We might have to do a deal. Otherwise Tuesday. There's a, some sort of medical emergency, which uh, will take Joe out of the debate. (laughs) You watch, I'm telling you, man, Uh, it's, I, I'm starting to lean more and more like, like Tuesday night's not going to happen. Yeah. And, whether it's uh, I don't care chest pain, bad fruit, COVID exposure, I don't know ingrown toenail that had to emergently be removed, so he goes to the hospital Tuesday morning. Uh, something. Yeah it it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting. All right, well, we've been talking long enough. I think we talked about all this good stuff. Um, so, for Jason Moret, I'm Manuel Ramirez. You've been listening to the Fusion Underground. Take care, everybody. Have a good night. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) And this is why Lucy usually mutes me before he plays our (laughs) exit music. (laughs) Okay, just for that. Just for that. I'm telling you, we need a snurdly. We need a snurdly. We do not have a snurdly. We need a snurdly. Awesome. Get your get your booty to the pole. 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 Just kidding. <laughs> oh.